I see the Mexican wave kind of like mass. When I was a kid, like I loved the Mexican wave. When I was a kid, I used to go to mass and you know, this is something different. And then when you get a bit older, you're like, this is a load of crap. OTB AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Right, let's keep it moving. Back to the rugby we go. Alan Quinlan, good morning. Morning, lads. How are you? Uh, good. Thanks for being uh, patient uh, and waiting on the line there. Um, let's get straight into it on the Hiding Cup, Quinny, if we can. The format of this thing looks so weird. It's uh, almost uh, so weird as to be hard to understand. Uh, why haven't we gone back to the uh, pools of four teams? Uh, I don't know that. Um, I'm not on uh, one of the decision makers in the EPCR. Um, I think, yeah, a lot of people w- 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 are commenting on the format and saying it's confusing. And, uh, you know, you, we have 12 teams. Uh, you have you've 24 teams, 12 in each, in two pools. And, and the top eight from each pool go into the knockout stage is round 16 game. And, and you're ranked according to, you know, points scored, where you finish matches one, all that kind of stuff as to where those, those games are on, uh, in the round 16. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I think it's, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a massive lover of the European Cup. I have great memories from it. Um, it's a very, very special competition. You hear lots of players this week talking about it being a different, a different training week. There's a different buzz around, um, each camp, if you like, uh, going in, into Europe. And it's really intriguing. You know, you're going playing against, uh, you're going out of your comfort zone here. You're going into a different, a different sort of um, challenge for, for for teams and players individually playing against you know more quality pack squads um, and and playing different teams around Europe. So it's a it's a great competition. It always has been, but yeah, just part of me would love love to see the the, the smaller pools go back to its original mm-hmm. format. It was originally reduced from twenty four to twenty back out to 24 you know because of COVID and they've stuck with this format um, it's still a great competition and I'm, I'm always very wary and careful of, of criticising because I love I love the European Cup but if I was one of the decision makers I would certainly look to go back to the pool stage um, the original pool stage where you had four teams in a pool and um, you had six rounds and I, I know the original format had six rounds and a quarterfinal, semi-final, final. That was nine, nine matches to to win it. Um, we're now at eight matches. They've got a free weekend for the first time. Um, the back, the, the round sixteens were 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 back to back games last year. So we're gone back to eight weekends basically, and there's a free weekend there. And I know player welfare and uh, the top fourteen and and Gallagher Premiership welcomed that because. Um, getting an extra break or an extra week, but for me, the old the old system was, and it's risky territory because um, a lot of people speak about this online, and I think if if EPCR asked the fans what would they want, um, possibly the old format, but it is what it is. It's 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 up and running again this weekend, and it is exciting, and uh, at least we still have the back to back games. You know the. Um, yeah, the double headers. 
Yeah, in round two and three. Not everybody's a fan of the introduction to South African teams either. Antoine Dupont wasn't uh, too shy about coming out um, this week to say that uh, he's finding it hard to grasp, I think was the words that he used um, about them being involved. Fair point for you or move on? No, I, look, I think since they came into um, the URC and I think they've been great for it, the quality has improved um, of, of the competition, the competitiveness of it and... Um, it's alerted everybody else to to um, you know to their quality and what they can do. And you look what the Stormers did last year, the Bulls. Um, so I think it's uh, what he's saying is he he kind of said, which was I don't know if he was having a dig at the competition or, or or the South Africans coming in, but he was saying it's not a European Cup now if there's South African teams in, but. Um, I have less, I, you know, I have less problem with that than than the format. As I said, if you ask me, would I go back? I'd love to go back to the older format. Um, the intrigue of that, where you, um, you know, you have your six six pool games and um, the, you know, the the quality of that and the 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 the, the bite of that week after week. But um, he has he has a point. But they're in the URC and they've qualified on merit now, and I think. You know, it's just strange. It's something. It's something new, and we have to be adaptable to change. Uh, look at it, see how it goes. But it's it's a great opportunity for South African teams to play play all these European teams and and play in a an enhanced, higher grade competition. So I don't have a problem with that. But I can understand from a player's point of view that you know traditionally you'd be you know, the flights would be short, the travel wouldn't be that bad, you'd be going to France, UK, vice versa, or back, and now some teams are going to South Africa for, for round one. So it's a little bit different, all right. Quinny, uh, Adrian mentions Antoine Dupont, of course, one of the players who's had a, a red card reversed and is free to play in Munster, Kean Healy being another notable one as well. A um, bit of bewilderment, I guess, in the game when you're seeing all these reversals. Like, Do we know what constitutes foul play in rugby right, uh, right now? Well, I always thought the King Healy one was um, was a hard call on him. Um, letter of the law, the contact was there, and my I, I kind of you have to be very careful in these decisions, Shane, because um, you can go with your um, go letter of the law every time. And I've been very proactive and and um, don't have a lot of tolerance for for high shots, particularly the impact, the forward impact that you have the last last kind of point of contact where the defending player is is moving forward in an aggressive manner. You're always in a risky situation when you're upright like that. But I think and I understand why it's been overturned because he's more he's accepted the tackle. And I see some people speaking online and talking about it that um it's wrong and and how are we going to progress forward. I think the clarity is there that um, there was a, a change of height from both players. Um, I know he has to be the one. The onus is on him to get his technique right. But for me, and I, I, I always look at it, it's the last surge forward. Keane Healy doesn't drive forward. He more accepts the the tackle. And that's where, where the mitigation is in it for me. So um, if, there was a, if it was a yellow card on last Saturday night, I would have said that was a, that was probably the right call. Of course, you'll have so much debate ongoing, and um, we have to protect the players for sure. But when you're accepting a tackle, and we saw Andrew Porter 
um, get away with one over the summer in New Zealand in um, you know on the t- with his tackle on Brody Retallick, where it was more of an accepting tackle. And the week before, we saw Angus Tavo, you know, his collision with with Gary Ringrose, where he's moving forward at the last minute, and that's where you're getting the the mitigation here when the video angles were really analysed and studied. And it's 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 kind of for the referee Christoph Ridley, you know, he's making a really quick decision. Uh, with his TMO, um, I thought, and it, it didn't surprise me that it's overturned, basically. That's what I'm saying. We'll stick with the Munster-Toulouse game, uh, Quinny, on, on, since DuPont has become uh, um, talking about Sunday, 3.15, uh, this one in Thomond Park. Um, what's your sense of, like, speaking about DuPont specifically, and obviously the, always the conversation is how do you stop him, um, they obviously have a coach now, Munster, who's been uh, involved maybe more than most in trying to stop him over the last couple of years, and Mike Prendergast. Um, what's your, your sense of maybe that aspect of it and uh, the challenge for, for Munster here against one of the top teams in Europe? How do you stop him, is it? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's very difficult, I think. It's, it's a bit like, um, I suppose, England playing France tomorrow night. How do you stop Mbappé? Um, and, and a lot of the English players this week have been asked that question. Um, it's difficult because he's such a wonderful player, and not and it's not just in, in, in his attacking game. I think he 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 makes so many uh, brilliant tackles and puts so much pressure defensively with his line speed, and um, he's a very physical player, and he's a great tackler as well. So not alone does he, you know. <laughs> make unbelievable line breaks he defends and he saves Toulouse at times if somebody gets in behind him he's always sweeping around or making making tackles um, and look they've, they've unbelievable quality right across the board I think they've so much depth in their squad so much power um, and he can play off the back of a, a usually a very very dominant physical pack of forwards so um, but he's a natural talent I think he just plays He's a great reader of the game and he just plays with a freedom and he wants people to react to him. So I think if you're if you're playing with Anton Dubont, you're you're every time he gets the ball, I think as a support player, you're just thinking, This guy is gonna do something special, I gotta get on his shoulder. But he's reading in the game as well. If somebody else makes a line break, he's just there. His support lines are brilliant. And uh, so how do you stop him? I think you've got to try and if you focus too much on him and your own, um you just have to get your, your whole team to be really alert every time he touches the ball. Um, because if you shoot out of the line to try and smash him and think, God, I'm going to get a big tackle in here, he'll step you or he'll, he'll pop a little ball off or offload back inside or whatever. So I think you just got to be very disciplined in your defence and very mindful that he runs that inside line. When Toulouse moves the ball out towards their wingers or outside centres, if anybody gets their hands free or through there, if there's any sort of a line break, he's running that inside line so much. He scores tries, a lot of tries for France and Toulouse like that. So um, you've got to be very careful. You can't just stop him. But I think um, collectively across the board, when he puts his hands in the ball, um, you've got to be really disciplined and stay connected because he can step you as well. I was fascinated when he listened to, to Brian O'Driscoll chatting to Adrian on the show last night where he was talking about Munster maybe needing a proper number 12 in that centre pairing and he kind of compared it to himself and Jonathan Davies I think in the Lions tour of, of 2013 um, interested just to get your take on that yeah well uh, I think they've obviously Chris Farrell is not there and um, Fekitoa 
you know, hasn't kind of hit the heights that they would have wanted. Um, so there, there, there is, um, you feel, yeah, I think Rory Scannell has played well in the last couple of weeks. He looks a lot fitter. He looks a lot, um, he looks to have some confidence back. Um, but you need more depth there. You need options. You need to be able to change that up during the game as well. And Munster don't have that luxury of that depth at the moment. So, you know, Malachi Fekitoa hasn't played in the last couple of weeks. He has been available. So he's not kind of, um, fitting into the system and, and that's a disappointment when you go and sign a player of his caliber and have him, you know, um, played for for New Zealand and been been a top a top international when he's played. He doesn't seem to, uh, you know, be impressing the coaches there and, and doing the job. And I don't know the ins and outs of why he's not getting selected, but um, they're obviously playing with a system where they're trying to to keep the ball alive and keep more continuity and, and, and they feel that Rory Scannell is 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 helping that system and able to slot into that system. So whether it's more understanding from Malachi Fekitoa and um to buy into what they're trying to do do there. But it's probably, you know, for Drico to talk about the centre partnership, he's an expert in that, I think. And obviously <laughs> you'd love to have um Without being disrespectful to Chris, to Rory Scannell, I think he's he, he's shown the last couple of weeks that he is a quality player and he can step up. He, as I said, he looks a lot sharper. But you know, when you look at the other um, teams that potentially could win this competition, there's there's international players right across the board, top class international players. So there's a little bit of a depth issue there, as there is probably in the front row for Munster, and we saw that when they played Toulouse in May. The power. And the physicality and the pl- pl- type of players that Toulouse can bring off the bench, but um, he's he's doing a really good job at the moment, and I think that's uh, they've played much better in the last couple of weeks. And you think of Anton Frisch at outside centre, um, the more time you can get the, the ball in his hands at the moment, I think um, the better for Munster. Who wins it in a word, Quinny, if you can? Who wins it? Um, and what I've seen the last couple of weeks, I think Monster Monster can, can can get a result here against all the odds. Really, I think they can possibly win this one. Yeah, hard to back against them uh, at home. Racing Leinster have tomorrow. It's a game that's live and off the ball. They're obviously racing away from their home. What uh, I know, you've been impressed with Racing's improvement up front enough for them to get the job done. Um, yeah, you can never say that against Leinster, can you? Because of of their ability and their quality, they're their favourites for this competition. I think you'd, you'd fancy um, Leinster and probably Saracens, Toulouse, maybe Clermont, La Rochelle. There's about five of them again that kind of are sticking their heads above the water there. That 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 can be potential winners. Uh, maybe you know, who knows? We'll see. We might we might um, we might see a, a surprise or two along the way. Um, but um, I think Leinster, obviously, their 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 mentality and their quality can go to France and get a result. But I just think this one is, it could be, um, it could be tricky for them, you know, and it's one of those ones where it's just, it's maybe about um, just getting the result, um, any sort of a result here, because sometimes with Leinster, the expectation is because of, of um, you know, that the, their standing in this competition and their, their the way they've challenged in the last number of years and obviously won it, uh, and four occasions that 
you know, they go and they just get these kind of results. I think they'll they'll be very mindful of the fact that they're going going to play against a very physical side, a big side who uh, Rasting are second in the top fourteen, and they've been they've a lot of power and they focus a lot on their mall this year, and that was an area where you know I think they underperformed, and I think Leinster's mall obviously is a very very potent weapon for them as well, but I think uh, physically. Um, we always know that Racing have quality outside and they have big, strong, abrasive players. But collectively, I just think they've improved a fair bit this season and they look like a side that have a bit of a hard edge to them up front. So it's going to be a physical game for, for Leinster, uh, one that they're very capable of winning for sure. But um, And look, I think Leo Cullen, Stuart Lancaster, they, they won't mind as long as they get they get some sort of any sort of a result as regards um, getting the win on board but um, it's on in Le Havre it's it's moved from their 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 own ground uh, the La Defence Arena in, in Paris so it's a little bit of a strange scenario there's a concert on there um, does that take away a little bit of that home advantage and that's that's um, you know for, for Racing playing at home it's actually moving a little bit now so um, I still think Leinster will win the game, but I just think it's going to be a, a pretty physical challenge for them and um, it might not be as easy as some think. Yeah, they go uh, concerts first, actually, at the stadium, which is an unusual take on things. Uh, we sail Ulster on Sunday as well and Connacht Falcons in the Challenge Cup too. One before we leave you, just in the RFU announcement during the week, the completion, obviously, of the review, the publication of that, the announcement of the €1 million Euro for uh, facilities and pathways, I think is uh, how they've worded it. Uh, talking, as Shane said to Brian yesterday, he was talking about, uh, like, a million euro is good and it's never going to be enough, but generally seen as a, po- a, a forward step, a positive step. Yeah, well, it's the whole situation is much better than what it was. Okay, there's it's the same with the contracted players. The the actual uh, money that they're getting should it be more? There's, there's there's always questions, and but I think what the RFU have done here and what they're what they um, um, what the report tells us is that there there needs to be more investment, and that investment is going to happen. They're going to set up regional centres of excellence. Um, there's going to be a big focus on improving the the All Ireland League, and I think that's where you've got to get the grassroots and the fundamentals of the game. And it's very similar in the men's game. And I've said this many times. You know, if you get your club game and get more players playing, more competition, increase the numbers, increase the skill sets um, of young girls playing the game, and I think. The one thing that jumps out for me is is, is the, the centre of excellence that they're going to create in each province. That you know, there's a lot of good work going on there with with coaching and development and all that kind of stuff. But the fact that they're really honing in on this now and and trying to get more young girls who uh, increase their skill levels at a young age, but also try and strengthen the clubs. You know, it's very difficult when you have such dominance with the Dublin clubs in the All-Ireland League, and that's very, very obvious. Um, So around the country, you increase the the competition, you get a more meaningful All-Ireland League that's more balanced. Um, That will take time because it's difficult to just um, put money at that and think it's going to work straight away. It's going to take a little bit of time. But I think they're the obvious improvements that are needed and the obvious changes that's, that's need to be focused on is to try and improve the All-Ireland League and then 
in a simple terms, you get more girls playing, you get more competitive games, and you get it more balanced. And that improves the, you know, the, the, the opportunities for girls to play really, really competitively. And there's not one-sided fixtures that we see a lot of at the moment. So, um, I think it's very, very welcomed. And I think, um, you know, the RFU are putting, putting into action now, um, uh, recommendations that have come out of the report. So from where we were with all the, the controversy before, I think these are positive steps and positive things that are happening for the women's game. Yeah. All right. That is the name of the game. Uh, thanks, William. Enjoy the games. Thanks, lads. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.